Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as comedian, actor, presenter, 100 percenter. You might remember me from something. <laughs> Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list. Cam Knight. Thank you very much. You might remember me from something. Maybe we will. You, you Cam... obviously did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, let's just say I did, but then I'm a nerd. <laughs> Cam, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? I just say, hey, I'm Cam. Does that work for you? Oh, most of the time. It's factual. It's, 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 it's straight to the point. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Have you ever had to introduce yourself as anything other than Cam? Um, only if I was playing a character, mm. yeah, but not, no. You actory types. <laughs> Just in the moment, I'm method. <laughs> <laughs> On set, you don't call me my name or give me eye contact. Just kidding. What's your first love? Comedian, acting. Oh, God, that's hard. My first love was acting. My first love was acting, but... I think I fell very hard for comedy early on mm. because of my parents. They gave me, when I was 12 years old, they gave me The Meaning of Life and oh, Life of Brian. God bless those people. I, right? Good people. Yeah. And we grew up in a town less than a 1,000 people over in rural South Australia, so we, we were very limited for what sort of entertainment we got. We got. Mm. And my, my dad had a Bill Cosby record, which I just wore out, yeah. which I probably shouldn't say I did now, but no, uh, it was good. It depends good. how you wore it out. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking out women. Yes. No, I um, consistent. I, yes, I. Uh, so I used to listen to that all the time, and I just loved those two VHS tapes, mm. um, which probably don't work anymore. And then we, I just watched the young ones quite a lot as well. Yeah. I just loved it, loved it, loved it. I used to record it off the TV, and um, and just watch that all the time. So I think that was always there. I think that I loved comedy. Yeah. But I didn't know that. You could make a living out of it, really. I thought you had to be a big superstar in mm. Hollywood or or British to to be a comedian sure. or be a successful comedian. So, I um, I just thought that I would get it. I was going to be an actor. Mm. Yeah, that was basically it. What was your first paid gig for acting or comedian? Comedian. I got my first paid gig as an entertainer, I guess. It wasn't really comedy, oh, like stand-up comedy. It was Because you weren't funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. God, it takes time. Uh, who, knew? who knew? I know. It's an ongoing process <laughs> to this day. Um, riddled with self-doubt. Oh, no, I know. Um... <laughs> I, I... Tell me about your mother. <laughs> I got, um, my first paid gig was, okay, I got a gig at a place called the Comics Comedy uh, Cellar in Adelaide mm. uh, when I was 17, when I was still studying acting in Adelaide. Right. And we'd, a crew, a crew of us, we were all studying like the history of, of theatre mm. and we broke off into groups and some people had to do Roman comedy or Greek comedy or Greek tra tragedy. Yeah. And we got lumped into this group of about six of us that did Greek tragedy and we did our own rip of um, Euripides the Birds. Mm -hmm. And Dave Williams, who was in my class, is also a comedian. His boss, Dave Flanagan, who ran the, the comedy club, mm. came 
came to see the play, really liked it, and offered us all jobs as pre-show entertainment awesome. down in the club. Yeah. This is back in the day when Adam Hills was still living in Adelaide. Excellent. He was working on SAFM and he was yeah. headlining all the time. And it was just one of those places. It was very small, underground basement um, uh, comedy club. And it just, you know, and it was just amazing. Like, I, I lost my mind. That was the first time I lost my actual mind watching yeah. comedy because I'd never been to a stand-up comedy show before. And I was just slapping the table, falling off my chair, just thinking, this is what I want to do. That's when it happened. Sure. It, the spark hit. But we were doing just stupid stuff pre-show. Um, so I, it was like a wacky waiter thing because mm. they had dinner on. You get a, a crappy oh, cordon bleu and a yes. beer like, sort of deal. And, um, and so I played a chef that mm. greeted everybody um, as they came down into the club and... I would give them a shot, OH&S, hello, mm. uh, Responsible Service of Alcohol, and I would speak in a What's very... the first drink that you guys gave them? <laughs> I know. That's okay. You'd get a shot, and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? My name's Aaron. I'm going to be, drink- I'm going to be singing tonight, because I was a chef who yes. wanted to be an Elvis impersonator. Right. And then we had all these other wacky waitresses. One was blind, one was a complete ditz, the other ones only spoke Spanish, and then we had a, a maitre d' trying to keep it all together. Mm. And so some chaos ensued, and of course, invariably, I got up and sang. I sang Blue Suede Shoes, The Blind Chick Went Crazy. Then I, later on, um, I sang uh, Suspicious Mind, She Went Mad, Came Up On Stage, We Kiss, I Carry Off Stage. It's very silly. But I was getting, for doing the Friday and Saturday night show, I was getting uh, an $80 check, and that was my money for, for that basically bought my Happy Meals awesome. while I was studying. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but the first gig I got as an actor was, uh, was an ad for workplace agreements. Oh, they're the best. Yeah. And it paid, I think it paid about 900 bucks and yep. I was 19 and I had to join uh, Act- Actors' Equity to mm. get the, the role. And uh, I just got a... Ironic, a, given the nature of the... I know, right? And, um, and I, yeah, I thought, oh, I've done it. I've got it. I'm, yes. a, I'm an actor now. That's right. Yeah. Please, if you would just... <laughs> I'll wear a cravat. Everyone's happy. <laughs> That's you. it. I have made it. <laughs> Where's my Oscar? <laughs> for this 30-second commercial only showing in South Australia. I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so that was it. That was me. Yeah. And, and this has... I mean, obviously, you, you were building towards... You know, these opportunities I want to be a performer I want to have all of these moments Mm. Adelaide is not a big town no which which of these passions said okay so Cam you have to leave Adelaide I well I thought it was the acting Mm -hmm. I just figured there wasn't much there and I when I finished up I finished up early with the acting course, so I just stopped and I was sort of getting... Well, you'd done everything. You'd had an I'd ad. I got an ad. I was like, oh, I've got an agent already. I'm 19. I've got an agent. I don't need this shit. I don't need to learn. I'm getting Emmy screeners. It's okay. <laughs> I've already learned the basic Stanislavski stuff. It's fine. We've mixed it in with a bit of... With other, other methods. Comedia so... Del Farte, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I left and then... Um, I thought at 19, I thought I've got to go to uh, Melbourne. I thought that's where it was at Mm. and um, packed my my Vita Beetle up with all my stuff and drove over and and moved there uh, on my own. And I still, yeah, I always thought I still do acting. I didn't think that, again, I just didn't think you could make a living from comedy. Mm. And it wasn't until I was in Melbourne that I just saw this thriving comedy scene and and again Dave moved over a year after I'd moved there and we got a house together and 
um, and there was another comedian in there, Adam Vincent, and so I, I was the only one with a car, so I was just basically driving them around all the gigs. Winner, yes. And that's how it just happened. I mean, Dave just booked a gig behind my back one night and said, you're on in half an hour, and I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to, we walked to the gig, and I just had to piece together a really flimsy five-minute set, and, yeah. then, and then I just started working in a comedy club in um, Collingwood behind the bar and the owner manager would let me get up like every week and do five minutes Great. and then I'd go back behind the bar and serve people drinks and yeah. go hey hey and that was it really it just, and I was just, we were going around gigs nearly every night just mm. to either watch and drink or be on and drink and just be around it yeah and again all the while mm. not thinking that I was going to make a living from comedy yeah still yeah. thought no I'll just I'll probably make I've got a, some good bar skills I'm going to get a couple more ads it's going to kick ass <laughs> that's right there's got to be some underbelly thing that they need bad guys yeah that's right yeah <clears throat> what's your superpower uh, China. No, mm-hmm. that's a Bruce, Bruce Griffiths gag. Let's cut that out. That's <laughs> right. It's like the Letterman gag. Every time I hear, uh, if you're having a conversation and, and you hear sirens in the background, mm. I say, oh, that's my ride. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, oh, I don't know. Just what's uh, my superpower? Being able to sleep in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm good at it. Yeah. But, but hang on. I didn't know if that's the case, man. Then you're looking at Superman. <laughs> yeah. Like, at yeah. what point do we get to that sleeping in the afternoon is so important in your life? I've got kids. It's mm-hmm. very important. <laughs> if they're not around, I'm out. Yeah, See you later. 16, 17 year olds. They're, <laughs> they're, they're only. <laughs> Dad, whatever. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I wish I had a superpower. I wish I could fly. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Fly to gigs would be great. Cut out all the traffic. Wouldn't you just end up wasting it on something stupid? Like what? Oh, I'm just going to fly up to Whitsundays for the weekend. Why not? Yeah, well, yeah. You can fly. I can fly. Your partner can't. You can get on my back. It'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Ride me to the Whitsundays. (laughs) I couldn't for a second suggest that women have done that before. Yeah. But, you know, that's awkward. (laughs) What can't you tolerate? Uh, I, I just... I guess bigotry and racism. I think that really drives me up the wall. Do you see a lot of either? Yeah, I do. It was. It's uh, and even in gigs, just rude people in in gigs who think they can yell things out. I uh, did a gig in Sydney in the outer suburbs, in the western suburbs, and this girl got up on stage and before she'd even got to the microphone, am I allowed to swear? Please. Before she even got up to the microphone, somebody yelled out of the crowd, yeah, cook us some fucking eggs, you bitch. And it just... Welcome to comedy. Oh, hello. Yeah, happy International Women's mm. Day. Um, I just That sort of stuff is just uncalled for in this day and age, I think. And, and, and I think now, in particular, there's a lot of fear mongering and there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, I think everybody's really banding together now in their own little safe groups mm. because they don't know what the state of the world's going to be like and, mm-hmm. and so they just go for what's safe. And yep. as a result, they're getting a little bit... You know, racist or intolerant and um, and, and and bigoty, and I just think that's not. It's got. There's got to be a change to that. We need to really stop that. Jeez, that got serious, didn't it? No, it did, and, and that's fine. Do you mm. think that it is because of the rise of Trump and the return of Hanson that people who might subscribe to those values or those thoughts yeah. that you'd speak of that have to die. Yeah, but you've got to have a, you've got to understand why they're there now. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, they're there now 
Hanson's in power now. Trump's in power now because everybody's being sick of being lied to by mm-hmm. the elite, which are our politicians. And it's our politicians in this country that are saying one thing and doing the other. We've got a leader yeah. at the moment that was saying that he was going to legalise gay marriage and that he was going to do all these other things. But because yeah. he's got the, the power of the party pressing on his shoulders, he's not making one single move and he's not doing anything yeah. interesting or different. And so he just looks like another rich liar that's got some million air mansion in Potts Point and he's not yeah. doing anything and I think people are getting really frustrated as a result of that and so they're going to people like Hanson mm. I mean Jesus we've got Hinch in there as well because yes. people are pissed off they just want a point of difference oh, shame, 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 all of shame. us they just they do, they want a, point, a finger pointer you shame, 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 mm. they want some change you know yeah. and unfortunately they're getting the wrong type of change as a result of it yeah. which is you know making me worried what sort of world it brought my kids into what of the supposition that some of these people that we don't necessarily agree with or subscribe to that are now in power mm. have empowered a section of the community that have felt we can't speak our mind. We actually think this or we subscribe to these values that are contrary to what you know liberal elites or you know all of the media mm. people tell us are like why can't I tell a woman to make me some eggs yeah. as an example yes. um, when that's my reality yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, understand? I like do understand it's, yeah, it's, yeah. there's that weird tension between the acknowledgement that people who think that mm. clearly exist yeah. and that they may have been quiet or air quotes downtrodden previously mm. but now that Pauline Hanson's here to save the day or Donald Trump is ready to build a wall then I can absolutely stand up and say insert horrid thing here absolutely because my opinion's just as valid as yours Kate. yes it is absolutely and we're in a world at the moment where there is a bit of a PC culture going mad mm. where you feel like you have to really watch everything you say and all of your P's and Q's just in case you offend some minor minority out there mm. that's going to get on social media and troll you and say I'm offended that you've said this and I think everybody needs to calm the fuck down mm. just a little bit as a result of that as yeah. well yes you're allowed to have fun yes you're allowed to poke fun but if you're in a gig in the western suburbs where everybody's wearing high vis and it's already a bit of a bear pit where everyone's been heckled the whole time and the first thing a woman the only woman on the lineup hears something like that, yeah. that's not right. Okay, like you've got to understand how shaken and visibly shaken she was at oh, sure. that gig. Like yeah. she's just up there just pandering, just trying to survive. And you just think this isn't, you know, I understand it. Like I'm I muck around, I say I'm I'm cheeky little bugger when I'm on stage, you know. Yeah. But that's because it's in context. I'm on stage doing that. Mm. But if you're out in public like that, I mean, aren't we all meant to lead by example if you're in public? You're trying to you know, you're allowed to muck around, you're allowed to say silly mm. shit, you're allowed to say stuff ironically, but if it's something like that, I just don't think it is. I, I, I want to assure you that I don't agree with the gentleman's <laughs> no, egg comment. No, no, I can tell. The, yeah. the, the flip side is that if, if that person had committed to the gag, mm. as awkward as that may have been for lady coming out, yeah. if the next man that comes out, he offers cook us some eggs, you prick. <laughs> yeah. Like, well played. Equality. Well played. <laughs> there you go. But yeah. it, it's difficult when there's that awkwardness of yeah. the first moment and it instantly puts 
the, the, the woman in this situation on the back foot. Yeah. Like, how do I... Unless you're going to come out really strong and address that, Yeah. you can't just go, so I was walking through the supermarket, gulp, yeah. you know, pull on the T-shirt, can't get no respect. And um, comedy can all, already is already, uh, you know, it's already a male-dominated industry mm. and it's already can be very sexist yep. uh, culture to be involved in. Oh, so, please, can we have another interview where somebody asks a female comedian what do they think, or a male comedian, what do they think about females in comedy? Exactly. Like, do Please. you think women are really funny? Yes, I do. I think there's 100%. heaps of them out there, yeah, for yeah. Christ's sake. Absolutely. Uh, and, and do so I think th- journalists are bad? Well... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that thing in the Herald Sun? Where they... Oh, the comparison pictures? <laughs> Holy snapping. Like, explain it to us, Cam, because some people uh, won't have seen that. The, the Herald Sun in there, in the divine wisdom, decided to... Now, this is a news called paper. This is the Herald Sun? Yes, who have given me four and a half stars for my last solo show. So thanks, guys. But anyway... <laughs> so you won't go too hard in what you're about to say. They, someone there, some intern, decided to write an article where they would say, if you liked a certain comedian, you may also like this certain comedian. But it just came off wrong. So, for instance, they showed Ronnie Cheng, mm-hmm. uh, who's an amazing comedian who works on The killing Daily it, Show, absolutely US, yeah, killing yeah. it. And they said, if you like Ronnie Cheng, you may like this uh, this other Asian man who is, I quote, hilarious. Oh, no. So, yeah, there's that. And they just went through all of that sort of thing. And it was just horrific. And a bunch of comedians got angry about it. Greg Fleet got behind it and consequently got pulled down because the festival thought, no, that's not right. So that's good. Power of the people, man. Like, I, I had seen it. it it's, yeah. it's crazy that in 2000... I understand the intent. I think that their intention was, yes. you may not have heard of person Absolutely. on the right hand. Yes. Person on the left hand, you have. Yeah. So if you like them, you'll like this person. Mm-hmm. I think you, you nailed it, though, that if you're going to say, if you like Ronnie Chang, don't then insert other Asian men. I know. Do, do in, it. Funny other human. Funny other guy that is a little angry and opinionated. Oh, what a twist to put in white Anglo girl. Exactly. That would have been cool, right? Yeah, totally. And then get her to cook you some eggs. Yeah, totally. It's, we're in, at the time we're recording, we're in the start of festival season. Brisbane Comedy Festival is upon us. Mm -hmm. Fringe is sort of tailing out. We've got Melbourne Comedy Festival looming across Easter, which is always really the the high point of comedy in Australia, Mm. around festival stuff and and those sorts of things. Um, as, As a comedian who then has to be on the road, away from home, how do you stay in touch with reality while you live in the festival bubble? Yeah, that's a good question. It's very hard. You can get... Read the Herald Sun. You can read... (laughs) That's a real trip, man. Uh, (laughs) I just eat the page. It's like taking acid. Oh, Um, Andrew Bolt wrote something. Oh, nom, 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 nom. nom. Taste the the acidity. Um, It is hard. And you do get swept away by it all. And it's very easy to lose touch with what's going on and um, and you can drink every day and party and mm. just get, you know go crazy but I, I mean I'm you know I've, I've got two ch- young children now and my wife who doesn't come on tour with me she's coming down to Melbourne with me with the kids and we're going to get a place but uh, and that'll be awesome just keeping grounded but 
it's uh, you've you know like I make a point of trying to go out and do stuff like mm-hmm. I don't really want to stay in my apartment and just walk up and down thinking about my show like I mm. just that I just that I've done that before when I was younger and it just doesn't do you any service yep. it's like being on a cruise ship when you're doing cruise ship gigs and you're just oh, stuck in this room can imagine. and you just like you don't speak to a human being uh, until you actually get up on stage and it's not good it's not good for comedy because you don't you forget how to talk for the first sure. few minutes they know? don't lock you in the room though you do no have no no you're allowed to go out yeah, but yeah, yeah. you just kind of don't like I, I've only done it like four times but you go and you just I just read a lot. It's well, lots of Stockholm syndrome stuff. In you, that, yeah, you get really I'm stuck. entertaining the people, mm. and you know, you, you will see faces when the lights go up and down, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then mate, old mate will come up to you. They high the five bar. you yeah, if you've done well, well done, and blah blah blah. Yeah. And then you see them at breakfast. Yeah, and it's just weird. And you're sitting on your own. Did we have sex? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we yeah. here? Yeah. Um, and it's just it's strange. So I just yeah, I try and make myself go out and do things and mm. see the city that I'm in and um, get some vitamin D from the sunlight. And, um, a rarity for some comedians. Absolutely. I like doing things. I, I like swimming and, you know, going to the beach and riding bikes and, you know, get, getting out and sure. not just staying on Netflix and Googling myself. I, um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that sadness inside. So, um, and this year, like, I'm not drinking, which mm-hmm. is the first, it'll be my first festival season where I'm not, uh, I won't be drinking. I'm going to take, I'm going to take 12 months off and then reassess once that's done because I just figure I'm at that age now and I've got a responsibility and a duty to There's myself. My that's it, there they are. Good call back, mate. <laughs> no um, yeah, I just got a sense of duty to myself, my career and my family. I've got to put that first before I start. I've fucked around. I've had a great time. Mm. You know, I've had spent many a night at the Hi-Fi bar back in the day when you used to be able to smoke. Three years in a row I got chest infections from staying out and having a great time. I don't really want that again. Yeah. Um, and there's, As good as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. But there's other ways to network. There's other ways to catch up with people. We don't have to be mm. drunk the whole time to, to you know, in order to have a good time or, or achieve success. Do you think it's endemic in uh, comedy culture, modern comedy culture, uh, not necessarily on stage, but certainly the after, because the nature of a show is we've got Cam doing 10 minutes, someone else is emceeing, we've got three other, four other, five other, six other acts on the bill. Mm. The, the camaraderie, the nature of that is to hang around and watch each other and support each other and stuff. Mm. And the natural place to do that is standing at the back of the room, yeah. inevitably where the bar is. Yeah, totally. And if you're performing, often it's... Do you want to be here? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the culture. You when you first start out for at least the first, you know, couple of years, you're not getting paid. You're getting paid in beers, you know, mm. and that can be an everyday occurrence if you're going around to open mic nights and just trying to get your name out there. And then once you get to, you you know, that point where you're getting paid, you you rock up and it's just that reflex of yep, I'll take that beer, crack, boom, and then you're on stage and you're having like two beers before you go on or something. And then afterwards, of course, you want to pop that cork and release that pressure that you mm. felt because of the gig and then you feel good about it or you don't feel good about it and either way you need to drink as a result of it so um, it, you know it's just it can get to a point where you you know for me personally I was I was doing gigs and then coming home and my wife and my children would be in bed and I'd end up just staying up drinking a bottle of wine by myself which is just that's apparently 
unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, what a doctor. Who knew? Know. Who yeah. knew? That's something on the AA <laughs> website that says you might need to call them. Drinking um, by it. No, rubbish. <laughs> I love it. I can choose my own music. Nobody yeah. gets into a fight. I love my own company. But My wife only likes white. I'm a red guy. <laughs> That's right. But uh, it can just sort of get like that and it can get a little bit out of control. And if mm. you are having fun with other like-minded souls, that you know, when comedians get together, it's, you know, you set each other off. It's like, you know, it's a bit like Tourette's. Mm. <laughs> you just end up having a lot of fun and get wrapped up in that chaos and not really thinking that there's responsibility the next day. Is it is it more okay now for a comedian to say, oh, I'm not drinking? My, my perception is that three, four, five years ago, if Cam said, oh, guys, I'm actually taking the year off alcohol, yeah. cue the next half an hour of let's hang shit on Cam. Oh, fully. I think I still will get it. I haven't really told that many people. I'm just sort of doing it. But, um, you know, the funny thing is, is when well, you do... there's also pontificating. <laughs> I'm taking the year of alcohol. <laughs> and, or it's just I'm on the lemonades. Yeah. I've just sort of been grabbing the lemonades, haven't been saying, if anybody asks me, I'm mm. just like, yeah, I'm just taking the year off, mate. And then they, their go-to is, what'd you do? Mm. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> what is your wife? What is, why is your wife angry at you? <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, and then other people just decide to uh, justify their drinking to you when you mm, do it, and I just don't really want to yeah. have that conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to cut down. I don't care. I don't yeah. give a shit what you do. Do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't matter, really. Cut down. That's right. Next. I'm going to stop after this one. <laughs> oh, I'm shit. <laughs> That's it. Um, you know, I just wanted to have clarity of mind. I mean, going into the festivals, you know, it can really get you down sometimes. Mm. It's a very, like, Melbourne's a long hall. Mm. Was it four weeks? Yeah, and so by, you know, the second week if you're drinking every day, it can really affect your happiness. And, and throw in um, a bad gig. Yeah. Throw in, a, you know, a review that isn't four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Um, throw in a, a, a shit, crappy punter that might see you <laughs> afterwards. Like, youth, I've had a great gig. Yeah. Punter on the way out of way punter. Oh, you really tanked tonight. It's always what? that one. It's always two. Like, it's never the good ones that no. find you that stick with you. Your whole, get room, your, your whole room could be killing there could be one person stand, sitting there with their arms folded and you're just focusing on that one person. Laser funny Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it can get to you. You can get really depressed thinking about it. You overthink stuff, you navel gaze. We're a little bit sensitive, I reckon, mm. and we need to be mindful of that and, and you know, treat ourselves right mentally. Is, is that... And, and I, I hesitate to talk about it because it's, it's such an often trod path, the idea that comedians have to be broken or have something wrong in their lives mm. or have to have this sadness yeah. for them to find the comedy. Sure. Is, is that the, the comedic performer's lot? I don't know. I jokingly said it in an interview the other day where I just said, we're all a little bit broken. Something went wrong along the way. Somewhere. Headline, Cam Knight broken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. Like... King of broken, Cam Knight comes out. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sad. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I wasn't that sad. At, like, I mean, everybody goes through some sort of, you know, trauma when they're growing up to some degree but I don't think that was why I was like I'm hiding behind comedy to make my sadness go away I just loved making people laugh I love mm. that feeling I love making strangers forget about what's going on in the outside world but it's also a place for me now where I'm probably the most calm where my I know 
I'm in complete control of everything and I'm in complete control of my emotions and there's no other cluttered thought getting in the way because I know I'm on stage for an hour and I know which direction this has to go. So there's yeah. not all this other bullshit internal monologue going on just driving me crazy, self-doubt and why, what if, why not, what's wrong, blah, 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 all yep. that other shit that you sort of go through. Like, I don't, I'm not a depressed person. Mm. I have suffered from it at times, I guess, as most people have from certain things, but I've really tried to, to push through that and focus on positive stuff. Otherwise, you know, you just... Sad. <laughs> I don't like being sad. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Where do you find your peace? I think on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on stage, I find I, when it's a good one, it's, it, is, it is a peace. I really, there's moments, I think, when I really, I really love just before I go on. Um, there's that moment of just being behind the curtain and you can hear the chatter of the crowd and, and that's your little, just your little minute well, your anxiety would be at its most high. Or, or not. I just kind of like to sit there and listen to it, and I just, for some reason, I find that really peaceful. It's not, mm. it's not, that's not where it's, um, yeah, where I'm most anxious. There's, there's that, and there's, I, you know what, I just really like being around my kids as mm. well. That's, that's the good thing. There's nothing funny to that. Like, no, it doesn't have to be. When I eat a burrito sometimes, that's mm. a good moment. <laughs> that's a two-for-one deal, though, isn't it? Enjoyment yeah. at the time. Afterwards. And later. <laughs> Riddled with regret. <laughs> that's true. It's like a late night kebab. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. What's the most uh, exciting or dangerous thing you've ever done? I travelled to Iran with a journalist friend of mine mm. uh, back, uh, I think it was 2007 or 2008, and we travelled around for about a month all yep. over the place. We went snowboarding in the Alborz Mountains, and um, <clears throat> while we were up there, we had to share a room, and uh, for whatever reason, the two of us both got cold sores mm. in the same spot on our top lip so we looked like we came off that mountain a little bit broke back yeah. and this is in a country that doesn't not that frowns cool. yeah not yeah. cool and so we were there for the celebration of their revolution and there was a lot of people out with placards down with America down with Israel and chanting and uh, and it was just really full on I spoke about it in my last show actually yeah. um, and uh, as you, you to cross the road in, in Tehran it's like Frogger Mm. Like, it's just there's cars and motorbikes and up on the footpath, the odd log, it's weird. Yeah. And you've just got to step... You wait for a local to step out. <clears throat> and, and follow them. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, well, okay, they go and I'll go. And you just go out. It's just this fluid thing and it's yeah. petrifying. And I got to the middle of the road, we've followed this woman out, and I hear this, uh, this guard behind me, an AK-47, I hear this, hey, you, stop. And I know he's calling to me because it's in English. Yeah. And so I turn around thinking, oh, God, he's seen the bloody cold sore yes. or what is it if I, because I'm travelling with a woman and she's unaccompanied by a male yeah. is that my problem okay so I turn around and look at him and he's just there brandishing this AK-47 and he just goes you have very beautiful eyes <laughs> and I'm like you, you couldn't have told me that before across the road buddy like, oh that is the best it's because I've got blue eyes it's a bit of an anomaly over mm, there and then sure. people men would say it they're very yeah. affectionate men like yeah. they hold your hand and stuff when you're walking with them we had a lot of strangers that would want to show us around um, yeah. they're really hospitable people 
And um, men would just come up. Some would be a bit more surreptitious about it. You'd be walking along the road and someone would be walking towards you and you'd just hear this man going, you have beautiful eyes. Uh, I had a man in an internet cafe who I just like popped his... I like the curve of your buttons. I like... <laughs> How much for your eyes? Um, <laughs> a man in, a ca- in an internet cafe just popped his head up over the, ca- the computer and just looked at me and went, you have beautiful eyes. And then popped back down again. It was just one of those things. Um, and it was just an amazing trip because my parents were really scared. They were mm. worried something bad was going to happen to me and you know nothing really that bad happened we traveled all around um the closest thing to again some weird vibe sort of situation that happened to us we were in yazd which is like the whole inner city is just made out of mud brick yep and traveling around all the streets they're really high walls so it's kind of like Mm. walking around in a in a in a ziggurat sort of thing and um you can only sort of pinpoint where you're going by the top of mosques. Sure. And we rounded out at, uh, this corner and came out into this square and there's like 40-odd kids just uh, mucking around. They'd, they'd found two wheelbarrows full of oranges. And awesome. Rather than take advantage of the free food, they're having an orange fight. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, we've got nowhere to be. Let's just stay here and check this out. <clears throat> anyway, one of the oranges nearly hits us and my mate Ben was like, well... Let's have a go, shall I we? can hurt one of them. Yeah, so, and I thought he was just going to throw it back like a friendly uncle, you mm. know, in the backyard. Underarm. Here you go, mate. Yeah. But no, he bazookaed this thing at this kid's head and it just missed his ears and everything stopped. Like, we're staring at them, they're staring at us, and then I'm like, oh, my God, we're in our own metaphor. <laughs> we're the, we're the big, bad Western world. Yeah, and invasion is taking place. <laughs> yeah. And we were just like, how's this going to play out? And then... Boom, like it was on, like they're throwing oranges, we're throwing oranges, it's just on this, we're this all-out orange fight for about half an hour, and the only reason it stopped was because an actual adult ran out into the square, obviously the owner of the orange is just going, yes! just boom, we just scattered like flies, going, oh my god, we're going to get grounded. It's great, an actual adult arrived. An adult, yeah, grown-up person. Um, it's such an amazing trip, man, I'd love to go back there, I really yeah. would, it was really great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you guys didn't just do this. <laughs> I, I, I don't even start to understand what a normal tourist strip of Iran would look like, yeah, to right. be fair. Yeah, Perspolis. You'll go to Perspolis, which we did, which is an ancient ruin. It's mm-hmm. where Xerxes from 100 yep. lived. Um, so we visited that, and it's very similar to... Jared your, Butler's Jared Butler's yeah. It's his, his old house. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit in ruins now. He's left it to disrepair, but... Hollywood um, changes everyone. Yeah, he just... Well, there's a house hopping all over the place. That's right. Um, Unreal estate. <laughs> serious too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come just on. going to ancient ruins. That's right. I'll make Jerry. Jeez, he's let the place go. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they, like they, you'd do that. You'd go to Tehran, obviously. I don't think the normal person would go snowboarding, but you know, the Shah back in his back in his day, in his infinite wisdom, drove his Maserati up to the mountains and decided to build himself a chalet and a couple of runs, and it was Please. fantastic. Uh, and we went to Esfahan, which is beautiful, and there's a, you know these old mosques and the old women's and men's. Um, like the guy, the Shah had his own, you know harem of women mm. and they would all hang out in their own women's mosque but he had all these underground tunnels that would lead to naturally which woman he wanted for the evening and stuff like that you could do that I think I don't know if anyone would go to Yazd so much we did, went to Shiraz as well which is where there's a very famous uh, poet called Hafez mm. is from yeah, yeah, yeah and that was that was basically us we just travelled around by bus um, you know and just and checked out so I don't yeah I, know, I don't know where most people I think most people would go to Esfahan and Tehran for yeah. sure um, yeah or maybe the, the Kish Kish Islands as well which is uh, in the 
in the Gulf there. Yes. It's meant to be really tropical and amazing, but we ran out of time. Again, but also, who is going to go on holidays in mm. Iran at the moment? You know, how not, it's very difficult to get in. It took three months to get a visa. Well, they're so unhappy with America, it's not funny. So. Oh, they hate America. They're all I don't blame them. them. They love us, though. You know why they love us? Because they beat us in the World Cup. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're chumps. <laughs> Yeah. And we deserve to. We, to be, we deserve to be beaten by that. Totally. They were loving it. Slack houses. Cam, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? I have no idea. Happiness. For everyone or just you? Just me. I think just absolute calm for a change. I'd really like that. Um, I don't know. I, I would love to achieve... To, I'd love to keep going with what I'm doing with live stand-up and that's just building more and more an audience. Um, uh, I might... Uh, I don't know what's happening with any more television or anything just yet, but uh, if an you know, opportunity comes, I'll take it. For sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'd like to just spend a bit more time with my family because, you know, as you spoke about before, you know, not having your family around and you're travelling... The last few years for me have only been at home like 50% of the time. Yeah. And there's only a very small window that you've got with toddlers and I just want to, if I can, take the opportunity to um, to be around them. Yeah, while, while they still want to be around you, right? Exactly. Dad, get out of my room. And I need to get in early. You know, mm. you're wearing a Millennium Falcon t-shirt. I want to, you know, I want to get him into yeah. the Star Wars and, and Your responsibility. the good stuff. Your responsibility as a parent is to build a Millennium Falcon. Right now is to connect them with the good things in life. Exactly. Like Star Wars. Exactly. Indoctrinate my kids. 100%. <laughs> you know, I, I know that some people uh, have the opinion that, oh, I, I, I'm an atheist or I choose not to have, you know, a connection with spirituality. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to force that on my kids, so they're not going to have it either, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Guys, Star Wars can fill that void. 100%. Yeah. And in the best way. Exactly. Because it's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, it is. I cannot wait for the new episode this year. Oh, my goodness. The Last Jedi, please. Yes, please. Uh, I think didn't... They, there's rumours that um, that uh, that Hamill might get an Oscar nom. Oh, please. It's already How amazing it. would that be? Oh, American. It would be really good, actually. It's particularly if he does the Joker laugh when he wins it. Nerds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nerds around yeah. the world would collectively lose their mind. Gamergate would be solved. Yeah. We, it, it would be like the coming together. Peace on the internet. Exactly. For about Finally, three seconds. Three minutes. Yeah. That's right. You're game over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Cam. Mm. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you've said are very special and you're highly valued, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. You're highly valued. Thank you for all your support with uh, with the TV. And oh, no, I'm a slut. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't think that that's like anything other than just, I think you're really good. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure, mate. Um, for people that do want to find you in an internet fashion, mm. how can they find you? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I've got a Facebook like page. I've got a website, camnight.com.au. You can check all of that stuff out there and there's there's a bunch of comedy clips on the website if you want to get in contact with me on the website you can you can join my mailing list uh, and uh, I'm very 2010 of you I might write back to you eventually <laughs> <laughs> hi Cam I saw you on the television and I just wanted to ask when you were at this house in Unreal Estate why did you say this and then not have a threesome with that couple I'll tell you why I didn't say certain things because it was Channel 9 and it's lifestyle yeah yeah they hired two comedians to be irreverent and we couldn't do it you walk into a room and you say oh that's a nice neon tap and they go mm. oh it's ten grand and my go to is I just want to go oh get fucked <laughs> are you kidding me that's, and 
like, where's, car. where's the other one? Yeah. <laughs> how dare you? One man didn't even know how many rooms he had in his mansion. I'm like, give me one. I know yeah. I've only got two bedrooms. You know, my my family will move into this wing and you'll never see us. Move half of Manus Island in. You won't yeah. even notice them. The place is enormous, you asshole. But no, you can't. You've just got to go, mm, oh yes, 10,000 euros. That's really lovely. <laughs> This, that's a whole other conversation yes, just now. I think we can unpack that later. <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Cam underscore Knight is indeed human.